Hey, Philo community, before we get into this episode of the Philo podcast, I just felt like I couldn't ignore the state of the world that we live in at this moment. And it's really difficult to believe that since the Philo conference ended a few weeks ago, that our world has changed so significantly. Uh, I've been processing a ton about the events happening in the U.S. and my responsibility with racism and the injustice that exists in our world. I talked about a few things on our Instagram page about some of the things I've been trying to do to learn and listen and become more aware of what's happening around me. And I was listening to T.D. Jakes, and he made the comment that when you live a life of privilege, it's all you know, so you don't know that it's a privilege. And that really hit me right between the eyes. I mean, that that is my life for sure. I'm just unaware. And so starting now, I'm like going on a journey towards living life differently. And I'm starting to read a few books uh, to help me understand kind of what systematic racism is about and how to understand it better. So I'm uh, reading Humankind by Ashley Island. She is the wife of Delwyn, who has been the worship leader at all of our Philo conferences. And I love their family and their kids. And I just think about all that they are dealing with just on a regular day that I know nothing about and just felt like this would be a good place to start. Also, I'm reading I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. She's a friend of friends that I have, and she's got things to say that I think I need to hear. And so I'm reading her book. Um, Then I also started listening to the audiobook Talking with Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. It's all about kind of what you don't know about the people you don't know. And so far, it's been kind of an intellectual exercise, which has also been great, just how we view strangers. Hopefully, the plan is not to be just learning for the sake of knowledge, but to some kind of action. I don't want to just do nothing, but feel like now is the time for just kind of listening and learning. And, you know, this year at the Philo Conference, we had people from all over the world, from different tribes and different races, which was so amazing. And as diverse as our group was, we were all technical artists. We're all wired in similar ways to care about technical details. And I just feel like we're more similar than, than we are not alike. Tech people around the world are so the same. And I believe that the body of Christ is more complete with all of us being a part of it. And yeah, I just felt like I needed to say that kind of before we got started in our podcast. All right, so let's move on to the normal, regularly scheduled podcast. Thanks. What's up, Philo community? We are living in a post-Philo 2020 Chicago world. What an experience it was. I mean, unlike anything I've ever been a part of before. I really appreciate all the encouragement and positive feedback we've been getting about how the Philo conference, while different, really hit home for many people. I was thinking about it this morning and realizing that one of our big goals is to make it so that you don't have to worry about anything. And it's the one event that is designed just for you. And that all you have to do is attend and your only task is to engage and soak it all in. And hearing from many of you, that actually happened. You didn't have to worry about the editing, the audio mix, or whether or not the stream would work properly. And I'm so pleased with how it all went. I mean, super proud of the entire Philo team. Could not have done it without them. The other amazing part about this year's Philo conference was the fact that we had over 2,300 attendees from 74 different countries. And you know what? That could not have happened if it had just been an in-person event. Oh, the power of the internet, people, I mean, really helped us expand our community beyond the borders and the boundaries of just who can fit into one room. And it spread it out to rooms around the globe. So amazing. Oh, the chat room was full of people checking in from places like Brazil, Norway, Singapore, there were tech people from everywhere and we all got to be together. It was so good. And we're already making plans for Philo 2020 Anaheim and Philo 2021 Chicago on how we can keep our international tribe together. If you're new to our podcast and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can check out our website, philo.org. There's all kinds of information there that will let you know who we are. You'll also be able to see a highlight film from this past year's Philo and other past Philos. You can also get merch there. So if you want a hoodie, that's the place to go. And all the content from 2020 Chicago conference will be there soon. So definitely check back in. And if you're new and still wondering what it's all about, our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. 
We do that through the Philo Conference, which just happened, Philo Coaching, Philo Resources, Philo Staffing, and the Philo Podcast, which you are listening to. This episode of the Philo Podcast brings our very first ever repeat guest, and it is Kayla Wilcox, who was the technical director at the Willow Creek North Shore campus, but now he is the associate pastor. We met and recorded one of the very first podcasts for the Philo Podcast in their brand new building and kind of got to talk about what it's like to plan a new building and execute a new building and then to actually use it. It was a great conversation. And uh, he's one of my favorite people. And so I just love any chance I get to sit down with him and talk. And so that's what we did. We recorded this right as we were learning about how to shelter in place, which seems like years ago now. Anyway, we had a great conversation. Let's just get right to it. How's it going, Caleb? It's going very well. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, you uh, actually are officially the first repeat podcast guest. Yeah. So That's I went back a through good the. Thing. You don't want to be yeah. on too often. <laughs> I was going back through the kind of the um, the history of the podcast, and I think we recorded this sometime in 2017, our first one. Mm-hmm. But you were episode number six. So wow. those of you listening, if you if you want to like see how things have changed uh, after this episode is done, you can go back and listen to episode six. Todd's mic is much fancier now than it was. Before. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the last time uh, we were at the uh, Willow Creek North Shore in that kind of weird shaped room. That yes. The fishbowl, we like call it, it. Maybe it sounded weird too. Oh, I did remember. it? But that was, yeah, it had sort of uh, built a little podcast set up, the portable podcast set up and, uh, Anyway, now Very yeah, I have a SM7 with a gigantic windscreen on it. So nice, and I have a pair of Apple AirPods. So yeah, we'll see which yeah. one sounds better. <laughs> Maybe just for some context, not that we're going to talk about this too much, but if it comes up, you, the listener, will understand why. So we're it is April first, twenty twenty, and so we're like hot in the middle of the coronavirus shelter in place, changing how churches do church and. Uh, Anyway, so we're normally we'd meet in person because we live relatively close to each other. But uh, yeah, today Caleb and I are sheltering in place. Yes. Maybe explain a little bit. I know you did this in episode six, but well, things have changed, I think, since 2017. So that was a long time maybe, ago. Yeah. What do you do now? And uh, maybe, uh, you know, how you got to this place. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> An easy answer. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> So I'll work backwards from what I'm doing now. Yeah. So my, my current role is I serve at, at Willow Creek North Shore, which is uh, a Willow Creek campus in Glenview, as the associate pastor there. And so what that means is I oversee um, kind of all of our different ministries for adults from weekend services, creative, worship, production, communications, groups, pastoral care, events, guest <laughs> Just experience, a few, a few things. <laughs> everything we do for adults, Saturday to Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, that, I said it the wrong way. Sunday to Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Saturday to Sunday, just for those two days, you know, no. Yeah. Um, (laughs) On Sunday and throughout the week, uh, my team works on all of that. Okay. Um, And so on my team, we have people that are production people, people that are group people, staff helping with groups and, you know, pastors that do pastoral care and everything in between. And really what got us to this place, I'll back up again and then come back to this. So I started out as a, a technical director and then shifted over over a couple of years to the executive producer role, which basically meant that I was overseeing our weekend experience. So worship, production, creative, as far as like weekends and stuff go. Mm-hmm. And so then over the next several years, my role stayed the same, but we just started seeing opportunities for better synergy and better collaboration and better just unity between these different staff and different departments that did things that interact and and relate to each other, right? Sure. So we started just kind of actually combining different staff and and areas of the church into one department to kind of just help align them better, have them collaborate better, and just have a little bit better synergy between things like what's happening on the weekend and what is communications doing? Because sure. those things interact very closely and we thought we, we could just help make that a more unified experience for the congregation and for our staff. Sure. Uh, can I ask you a quick question about please. that? Um, yeah, please. Because I think that's something that a lot of tech people wish was happening more of, but is out of their hands. So yeah. I'd be curious for you, was this something that you noticed and kind of started advocating for or something that 
somebody else saw and said, hey, we think Caleb could probably help bring these things together. Like, I'd be curious how that. Yeah. Um, I would, it's hard even to nail down like whose idea sure. it was because it just starts to become a conversation of observations, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, you know, talking with my, my uh, boss at the time and we're talking about like, hey, this is going on and this is going on. Like, what if this had happened? How would this have been helpful? You know, or what if we aligned these two? And so after a while of having these conversations, it starts to paint a picture of what the possibilities were. So when sure. you get to the point where it's like, hey, should we do this? Everyone's kind of like, yeah, that makes total sense. We've kind of processed through it in a lot of different scenarios that have come up over the last several months or a year or however long it is in your situation. Uh-huh. And I think if you start to have conversations like that, um, whatever your role or responsibility in the organization, if you start having just conversations about what you're seeing, you start having those a few times, you kind of get a picture of like what's possible or what would be a good direction to pursue. You might find out real fast, like, this is not a good direction because, you know, as we play this out in conversation, these things wouldn't work or this person's not open to it or sure. whatever. Um, or the opposite. You see, like, some really cool opportunities emerge. Yeah, interesting. I just – it kind of reminds me uh, – this is going back a long time, but – for me, I remember getting so frustrated at the fact that stuff would get scheduled mm-hmm. without anyone talking to me, yes. even though it meant that my team had to be there and make it happen. And so at a certain point, I just said, hey, I think it would be great for us to have sort of a, a master calendar for the church. And the idea itself wasn't enough. It, somebody needed to actually do it and said, right. I will volunteer to kind of lead the yeah. meeting and just kind of put everything on the calendar so that we... I mean, I was just doing it selfishly, but I think it did help the church in general because now like the women's ministry is not doing a big retreat on the same weekend that we're having a whatever, just to to be able to put everything, what are we doing? And even to be able to say, why are we even doing that? Like, let's stop doing that or yeah, whatever. So I think for the, for the person, you know, you mentioned the tech person earlier, Todd, who maybe feels like this is not, this is out of their sphere, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most of it is just, is just born from like relational investment and like leading through just uh, relational influence and not about like your role or your responsibility in the organization. I'm sure. Just yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, especially if you come at it from a standpoint of, Hey, here's something I think, like you said, Todd, your, your example is perfect of this is something really that you wanted to do for you, but had a lot uh-huh. of benefit for the organization. So if you're leading with to your, you know, kids pastor about like how this is going to help them, you know, they might be on board to give it a try. Sure. So. I think too, even in that, the, the just the idea of saying, hey, this if we change this process, that would really help me, like to to bring that up. Yeah. But then to be, maybe okay is not the right word, but to, to follow the direction of whoever your leader is to say, right. okay, we're not going to do that at this time. Okay, yep. not, to, not to have it destroy your working relationship or right. how... You know, I think for me, I could imagine in my younger years just like spiraling into like uh, passive aggressive behavior, mm. but it's still bring it up in six months or yeah. still do your job the best you can, knowing that maybe later it will be the yeah. time to talk about how to. And that's it. It's like nothing ever gets done in one conversation, you know? So yeah. it's like these little, these little conversations, these little interactions that kind of help you form. One of the things I find is that when I have an idea or I see something I want to try, it's not even fully formed in my own head. I don't really know exactly what I want to do. So having these conversations with different people over time just helps you fully form what it could look like for yourself Uh versus like going right in and saying like, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to pitch this idea and this is how we're going to do it. You take that time to just have conversations, get other people's perspective, see how it kind of strikes different people in the, in the ministry and, and flesh it out a little bit better. Because sometimes you realize that the way you were thinking about doing it actually would be terrible for some other person, sure. you know? And so yeah, it's like, yeah. before you go in with, this is my idea I want to do, you can kind of uncover some of those things through right. conversation, you know? Yeah, I think too, the just even the idea of approaching a new idea was saying, hey, let's try this for a month yeah. and see what happens is also a great way of taking a lot of the pressure out of it it has to work or it's not going to work, you know, just, just to say, yeah, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, we'll just go back to the way yeah. it was, or maybe we'll uncover yeah. some new thing. Yeah. And that's really key. I think in everything, I think in so many areas, it's like it doesn't have to work. It's okay. You know, <laughs> if you try something, whether it's a, whether it's a calendaring thing or a schedule thing or a technical process thing, like it's okay if it doesn't work, hmm. it doesn't have to work every time. 
and yeah. still be trying things. Yeah, that's uh, that's a hard one to hear and believe. It's true, <laughs> but it is true. I, mean, I can think of a thousand things we've done that did not work that we said, "Oh, we're not going to do that again." So yeah. yeah, one of my many jobs was scenic design at my church, and we changed the set for every service, mm. and it was usually every soft s- goods or something like that. <laughs> every service. So, yeah, every service. So Whoa. just something new and different. And like I said, it was like, what can we get done in a Saturday morning? You know, it was not like we're going to build something all week. Right, you know, right. It, yeah, that was the whole way I went. Because we're only spending two or three hours doing it, there was a there was very little investment of time and resources. And so, yeah, oh, well, let's try this. And then I'd be like, oh, that looks awful. So just don't ever do it again. Instead of saying the set has to be perfect. Right, right. It was just a way of saying we're, we're collecting a list of things that work and things that don't work. Yeah. And the things that don't work, we're just like never see that again. Yeah, yeah. I once built a set with, uh, I think the, the material was like burlap or something like that. And I forget exactly how I built it, but it involved gaff tape. And gaff tape and burlap don't really go together. And I think an hour into the to whatever the event was we were doing, the set started to fall down. Amazing. And yeah, I'm just like, you know, I wanted to crawl in a hole. Uh, at least it, it was, was like, burlap falling down and not something heavy, you know? We're right. And so anyway, it just was like, okay, just file that away. Never, never do that again. Anyway. Amazing. So we've totally interrupted your story of, uh, so how you got That's to That's pretty much are, the story. But, yeah. It's just every, every year or so something would, something would happen and we'd be like, oh, why don't we combine this with this and then yep. we just kept growing until the most recent shift was adding like groups and pastoral care to our team uh, uh, which was like oh, uh, may of last so almost a year ago now okay wow so that was the the groups and care and support component that that joined our what we used to call the creative team because it worked yeah. for everything we we're doing and then after that we we're like <laughs> we gotta i mean i guess we can still call it the creative team but Everyone's creative. Everyone's creative. Exactly. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> but it still is confusing for people sometimes. But yeah, I haven't thought of anything better. So I just have, we just don't call it anything. We just don't call it when anything. When I schedule hey, a you. meeting, I just call it the team meeting and leave it Yeah, there. right. <clears throat> the team. The yeah, team. Nice. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe just a, a totally, uh, not a question that I had thought to ask, but I mean, from your beginnings as a tech person, may I have two questions. Do you still think a lot about in terms of like how to execute something first or has you have you had to kind of change to yeah. say I'm more comfortable with just an idea that has no execution plan in place and we'll get we'll get there eventually so when it when it when you think about it in those terms I was always like uh-huh. kind of a bad TD because I never really <laughs> thought about how to execute it so much as okay. like the idea that I was trying to do does that make sense yeah, so yeah, totally. It was like we want to create this feeling or this environment or this look. Uh-huh. I don't know how we're going to do it. Let's go start poking things around with things in the auditorium until we get there. Uh-huh. So I think that was always kind of my my bent. Okay. It was it was like this. I don't care what's the right way to do it. We're just going to do it the way that looks the way like gets us the result we want kind of thing. Sure, right. Okay. Um, within reason, you tech people that are saying you can't rig things that way. I mean, like safe things. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, like gaff tape and burlap. Right, like, yeah. not like Todd, not like Todd. <laughs> yeah, rigging, with, rigging burlap with gaff tape. <laughs> but I always felt like my bent was more of the artistic side of the TD okay. role. Like what are the what are the things, the sounds, the looks we're creating, and not like the systems and engineering side of it. Sure. Okay. I would never consider myself like a really awesome like systems engineer. Sure. That, I guess, sort of like filter or lens, I think, is very transferable. Sure, right. And so I would say it's kind of the through line, maybe, of all of these things that we do now. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're going to take a short break from our conversation with Caleb to talk about one of our sponsors from the Philo Conference COVID-19 edition. Voice. It's what connects us to each other and to our communities. It's where every song and every moment of shared worship begins. And it's what's driven Adamson Systems Engineering to build some of the best sounding speakers in the world. For more than three decades, Adamson has earned a reputation for sound systems that provide unparalleled sonic performance, power, and vocal intelligibility. They design, develop, and manufacture innovative and technologically advanced professional loudspeaker systems that are installed in some of the world's most prestigious performance venues, and are a mainstay in global tours and festivals. 
They're thankful to have had the chance to help churches and other places of worship share their voice in North America and around the world. Their products are all built at their factory in Port Perry, Canada, which is near Toronto, where their in-house teams work from research design and development through production and application support. Adamson's commitment to technology and design helps technical artists and creative teams deliver unparalleled sonic performance, power, and voice. They really love participating in this year's Philo Conference and to meet the Philo Tribe, even if it was just from a distance online. They were a sponsor of a breakout class taught by Ricky Cook from Hillsong Church in Australia. And the Philo team, wow, we really appreciated having them share their knowledge and perspective alongside some of our other amazing breakout faculty. And since the folks at Adamson really enjoyed hanging out with the Philo Tribe so much, they would love to invite you to one of their latest events. From June 16th through the 18th, they'll be hosting at Infocom Connected, which is an online version of the normal in-person Infocom convention. Adamson Systems will be there with a special announcement about a new line of products that will change the way you work with sound, and they'd like you to be among the first to hear about it. So visit philo.adamsonsystems.com to get your free Infocom registration and to get on the exclusive Insider launch list. Thanks, Adamson. All right, now back to our podcast. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is just this idea around, uh, I'm going to say, perfectionism versus development. Like, uh, So we both worked for the Willow Creek organization. We overlapped, I don't know, four or five years, I think. And there is definitely a culture of, I'm going to call it perfectionism. I don't think I, I never bought into it. I mean, nothing can be perfect. So you just, I was all about, let's do the very best we can and, you know, call that good. But it's definitely, I would imagine at the main campus, it, it it felt a certain way. And at all the regional campuses would feel maybe somewhat the same, but each with its own flavor yeah. and trying to kind of manage that versus the, the people you have available to you. And one of the things that we've talked about is just kind of in the years, uh, maybe the last five years or so, just kind of this this idea of moving away from it having to be exactly perfect, that that's the end goal versus something else uh, being more important. So maybe talk a little bit about what is, for your church right now, what is the thing that's become more important than perfectionism? And then what, you know, how, how did you- Yeah, that's really good. Move move from that place to this. Well asked, Todd, well asked. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I think for us, different seasons of the church, I mean, if you look back over church history, you know, there are seasons where different- churches expressed in certain ways or certain things, certain values, certain approaches seem to kind of rise to the surface. And, you know, one of the things we talk about on our team as we look to the future is that everything always has like pros and cons, right? So Mm -hmm. whatever we were doing, you know, it's easy to, I think tech people probably feel this all the time. You look back at what you were doing five years ago and you're like, oh, that was, I can't believe we were doing this or that or whatever. It's like, that's like not their best attitude because it was, it doesn't mean it wasn't good and helpful in the time that you were doing it right now, right. but there, but, but there's also like a future that you're moving towards. That's not the same. Sure. So that's what we've kind of tried to hold as we've gone through different like leadership transitions and just seasons of our church. Like what does our church need and what do we feel like God is calling our team to be doing and, and how we should be pastoring and shepherding and leading people. I'll start with this because it, it bleeds out into like some other outworkings, but we wanted to put more emphasis on the, the worship that our team like the worship in their hearts and the worship of like that they were bringing to what they're doing on a Sunday sure. or any time versus the work that they were doing. Got it. And so we, I mean, it just started to be something we talked about more. We started to do different, like, you know, uh, occasional gatherings where we would focus on like worshiping as a creative team. I, when I say creative team, I mean like production worship together, you know, right, um, right. things like just uh, different. And it's not like a certain formula, but just these things that we would do that's that, we wanted to highlight the value that we're putting on your attitude and your heart coming into it and decrease the value that people felt to deliver in some, in some sort of yeah, perfect, perfect way. way. Or, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So we, I, one of the things that I was just really, uh, that I loved that we do these monthly worship nights on the first Wednesday of the month. And we, it's usually involves uh, worship and prayer and these different like prayer moments or, People can, you know, get up and go forward for prayer. There are different things on different on different nights. But we, what we tell our team is like, you're here experiencing these moments too. You're worshiping, you're praying, you're not just filling your role. And so like, if we're in a prayer service and you need prayer, like just get up and go, put your camera down, go up front, you're playing <laughs> guitar, like put your guitar down, walk off the stage, go like, that's what you're here for. And you happen to be sure. doing something else as well. But your first, your first 
focus is what God's doing in the, in the moment. And so sure. we want people to feel the freedom of that. Like if, if my work, if my graphic operator is like, just like in worship and, and stops doing graphics for a second, like we'll just yeah. take them off the screen and we'll keep going and it's totally fine. Sure. And that's different. And, and, and holding the tension of like, that's different than like not being prepared, you know, or not sure. planning or not yeah, having yeah. like a thoughtful approach to what you're doing. Cause of course we want to, we want to provide a, an experience for our church that is, engaging and is serves them well, which not sure. doing a good job doesn't serve them well. Right. Right. So, right. um, but I think that's kind of been our shift of uh, we're our whole team is here to worship just as much as the people in the, in the seats are here to worship. And uh-huh. so that shifts the things that we put emphasis on and the things that we de-emphasize. Sure. So like one of the things you were talking about earlier, I think in your, when you're asking the question about kind of getting things perfectly right and getting things, uh, like knowing exactly what's coming and having, you know, this plan that we're going to execute, Right. And we've shifted to the language of training our people to not know what's coming, if that makes sense. So like we would, we're totally fine if things don't go according to plan. In fact, that's to be expected, you know, it, it, maybe we won't do anything out of the ordinary, but likely we will. And so for a, for a lyrics operator, I keep coming back to lyrics. It applies to everyone, but that's a good example, right? For a lyrics operator, it's like, do they, if, if the worship leader is, is tracking through a set, and then goes to a completely different song because it fell right in the moment. Does that does that lyric operator feel like they failed because they weren't tracking with him, or are they sure. excited? Are they excited with the team as a whole for the moment that we're creating? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. like that. Just reframing kind of the way we think about each of our roles and what is a win. You know, it's more sure. of like we're winning as a team and we're winning as a church when we are sensitive to what God's leading and we go for it, and not sure. when we get everything technically right um, or right. stick to the plan perfectly. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, there was a season in my life where I felt like our number one goal was to have a perfect rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're like, we're rehearsing the exact, maybe it's the wrong thing. Yeah. Or we're, you know, and the idea of rehearsal is to like figure out what needs to get fixed or changed or whatever, or take yeah. some risks. And to be in the moment is so much more valuable yeah. than just like yeah. being buried in a cue sheet yeah. and following exactly this is what we rehearsed and so yep. we have to stick to it. Yep, so that that actually leads me to another uh, thing that we've tried to to stress is like de-emphasizing rehearsal. And I'll I'll uh-huh. I'll, I'll give more context to that because it's not like we don't rehearse. We don't sure. rehearse very much. We definitely don't rehearse as much as we used to because the the shift that we've been trying to make is trusting in the people not so much in the preparation. As okay. a t- and when I say preparation, I mean like we got together and we planned out every single moment. We checked every transition. It's like we actually want to want to say, hey, like these cam ops, they know what they're doing. We've worked with sure. them. They know the vision. They know what they're supposed to do in these different situations. You know, the drummer, he knows what to do in certain situations. When this is the feel, he does this. When it gets when it shifts, he does this. And we don't need to to practice every single little thing. And so what sure. it does, it's still, that takes, that's not easy. I'm not saying that you can just show up and do that. That's not the case sure. at all. Because what right. it means is you're not focusing on rehearsing. I think it's actually so much more powerful. Uh, uh, you're not focusing on, did you figure out how to do this service? And you've rehearsed the things that are required for this service. It's no, we've sure. mastered the foundational things of what we do. And we can then apply those in any situation. Sure. Um, it's like the teach a man to fish or give a man a fish. Like, sure, I can. We can rehearse the specific moves we need to do this particular moment. But if I haven't rehearsed, like my library of skills as an operator, then I am only prepared for that one moment versus any moment that could come up. Sure. So, right. with whether it's musicians or worship leaders or cam ops or, you know, whatever lighting operators, it's like, how are you prepared in your craft to go anywhere? not have we rehearsed every moment for this particular service. Right, um, right. Yeah. Radical notions. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> when you said, yeah, we we don't uh, emphasize rehearsal as much, I'm like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is the most controversial podcast <laughs> I mean, we've ever done. <laughs> and, and that's not like, that has, that's something that takes time to get to. You know, it's not like we just decided one Sunday, like, hey, we're not going to rehearse anymore. Right, but as we kind of made some of these values, things we focused on, and we the team, it takes time, and we've been we've been on this journey for two, three years of kind of rethinking uh, what we're doing and how we're doing it, and what we value. So it's like not at all an immediate overnight thing. In fact, if you try to change something that big overnight, it's not going to go well. You know, you sure, if you've right, been doing right. re- Thursday night rehearsals for ten years as a church, you can't just stop doing them. Sure, expect right. everything to be fine. Yeah, yeah. 
But, yeah, in some yeah. in some respects, to to say, hey, okay, if you if you're wanting to make a shift like this, that maybe mm-hmm. you take your Thursday night rehearsal and just practice. Anything yeah. could happen. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's you know? too. It's like a lot of one on one conversations. You know, yeah. Our right. music director is very connected to the people in our band and our worship leaders, and and talking about not just like did you play the right notes, but the philosophy and the why and the moments we're trying to create in different kinds of in, kind of kinds of parts of the service. Mm-hmm. And over a year of those kind of conversations, you just get a synergy of mind where when something happens, we all know where we're going and we all know what the right decision is to make because we have a clear vision of kind of our team's approach to what to do when. And that's going to be unique to every team. It's like what what is right for you, but sure. your 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 goal is to get your team able to make decisions independently without someone having to refer to the cue sheet all the time to see what sure, the right yeah. call is to make. And that's just tons of inner of just one-on-one conversations and connections and vision casting and right. Yeah. So it's not a fast process for sure. Yeah, and I guess I would say too, one of the things that you said earlier was one of the reasons that we rehearse and prepare is so that we're not distracting people by mistakes happening, mm-hmm. yeah. mistakes that pull people out of these moments we're trying sure. to create. Yeah. And I think uh, you even said, you, you know, kind of talking about church history and, you know, a lot of where the the evangelical church in America doing this uh, thing that feels perfect mm-hmm. was born out of, uh, you know, church from the 70s and 80s where everything yes. was done horribly. Yes, yes. And so, you know, the, it it made sense for the time. And yeah, now we're in a new time and it still doesn't mean, uh, I mean, it doesn't mean that mistakes are great or, you know, distracting people with right. screw ups is fine, but it, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a different way of thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, and I think there's these, these like really cool um, values, like you said, that come out in these different eras where, you know, the the area you're describing as a reaction to maybe this kind of more lax approach to church was uh-huh. hey this is this is an important thing we're doing and so we should give it some serious attention and right. value it which is really that's really good but how do you then keep that in balance with all the other values it's like yeah. it, when you when one of the values becomes overbearing and overshadowing all the other ones i think that's where you have a problem so it's like how do you keep them all in line and not become a slave to any one of them sure so yeah, and I think too the the thing that I love about preparing every small detail and figuring out where the where where do we think in the service we could have a hiccup and so mm-hmm. let's think about that. I appreciate for myself the the time to really sit and think about okay, what matters in mm-hmm. this moment? What do we want it to feel like so that we're not just in autopilot? For sure. You know, we do three songs, we do announcements, we, you know, whatever that, you know, to be able to think about what we're doing and why we're doing it instead of just doing it. Yeah. Which I think when you have a cue sheet and a checklist and all that stuff, it's like, I'm not thinking about why I'm doing it. I'm just on the checklist. So yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. Which is a little bit about a, you know, what you said about teach someone to fish versus giving them a fish. You know, you yeah. like, how do we think for ourselves yep. through thoughtfully through things instead right. of just doing them? And I think it all is, is related to to kind of your vision as a as a church and what are the things you feel like you're called to go after and lean into and develop in the season. So for us, one of the things we really wanted to be able to do, we felt like our church needed and we felt like God was calling us to create more moments, opportunities for our church to worship and to pray. Those were like a two, two really high values for us. We want more opportunities to, for worship and more opportunities for prayer. And if you're going to take your number of worship environments you're creating and you're going to ratchet that up. Well, I don't have any more staff or volunteers or time in the week. If I want to provide more of these, I have to figure out how to do it more differently than I have been. Does that make sense? Sure. Like I can't, I can't do several hours of rehearsal for every time we do a gathering because we just don't have time, you know, like, so, or like, say we want to do Wednesday night worship. I mean, we do it with, with the same amount of crew and band and staff as we would a Sunday but it's on a Wednesday. Everyone's coming from work. You don't have nearly as much time as you do to prepare on a Sunday. So how do we get to a place where like for Wednesday nights, we don't rehearse video like camera team at all. They just literally show up, go to the green Uh room and get dinner. And then we go do 10 songs or nine songs, whatever we're doing. And they know what to do, you know? So we couldn't do it if we had approached, if we had more of like if we built into them the need, like we need to know what's happening. We need to know, we need to rehearse. We wouldn't yep. be able to do our bigger goal. Our bigger goal, our goal is not to, to have a great video show or a video sure. cut or iMag experience. Like that's not right. the goal. That's helping us move towards the goal of creating these worship moments. 
Uh-huh. But if we if we get those things flipped and say we need to be perfect or planned or like precise in everything we do for video, how is that limiting my ultimate goal? You know, as right, a right. So a while ago, you were talking about how hey, if you're in the band and you need to have a prayer for you, just put your guitar down and yep. go get prayer, or yep. if, you know, if you're running lyrics or whatever. How often does that actually happen? Uh, I mean, not not. I would say not <laughs> terribly often. Usually those are happening in like our worship nights or our, our prayer nights, things like that. Um, I mean, uh-huh. for our prayer night, this last, we're doing our online prayer night because of coronavirus, our virtual prayer sure, night right. tonight, actually. But our last in-person prayer oh, night, nice. you know, at one point, our lighting op just got up from the desk, went down and got some prayer from our prayer ministers. And I just went over and I just hit go on the queue when it was time to, when it was time to hit go on the queue. It's like totally fine. And if, you know what, if the song had four cues in it or five cues in it. And we just stayed on one cue for the whole song because the operator wasn't there. Guess what? Nobody cared. It's totally fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which on one hand is like, why do we even bother, you know, with the lighting as that example? But I think there is some there it's, it's like a weird, I don't know if tension's the right word, but that like, yeah, let's just say I'm the lighting person. I want, I care deeply about creating these environments and yep. what every, every lighting choice to help with the moment that's happening. And at the end of the day, we could probably just turn the lights on and be done with it. You know, just that. And I think we all, uh, every, every discipline has that same kind of care deeply and at the end don't care. It's care deeply, but always remember why, you know, it's what is the goal? It's not lighting in of itself. And, and I think too, it's a raising the value of your own personal worship and, and church experience. Yeah. Because I think there's something really inspiring and healthy and needed of kind of the production or, or worship team or whatever, their view of like, we're serving the church and we're here to serve and we're going to give our very best. Right. That's right. all awesome. But, but you also are a human and you also need to worship and pray and connect with God. And you can do both. You can bring your very best and provide an amazing mm service that you're giving to your church congregation and still take the time and the moments and the freedom for yourself to do what you need to do when those things happen. Because the reality is like, it's not, it's not, it's not like you're going to not play for half the service. You know, it's sure. usually what it, it ends up being like, there's a moment or uh, a song or, or something that you feel just like anyone in the congregation, nobody in the congregation is feeling this immense, like, you know, word from God or, or, really clear worship moment your entire service sure right. most of the time maybe sometimes but usually there's like a specific point that really speaks to you right yeah and so yeah. it's like you can have that too you're not immune from that or exempt from that because you're serving in some way sure so far let's put it this way so far it has in no way been like disruptive to our worship experiences right so. i have so many thoughts about this idea on one hand, it's sort of like the company that offers their employees like unlimited vacation days. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about it. No one's going to take unlimited vacation days. But the idea that I could yeah. maybe helps me do my job a little better. Totally. You know, just the freedom that, hey, I'm a worshiper here too. And God is creating moments all around me that I'm a part of. Yep. And I have the freedom to respond in those moments yep. instead of I've just turned that off and just pay yes. attention to what you're doing. Yep. I love that. That's a really great way to say it. I think it's, I mean, just the whole idea of it is so, I'm a big proponent of like, look up from what you're doing and yes. see God is moving all around yes. you and you're missing it because you're buried in the cue sheet. But just saying that, I just, you know, the... I don't know what it is in me. Maybe yeah. it's all my years of uh, like hyper programming everything. Yeah. But just like if people are looking up from what they're doing, then we're going to start making mistakes and people are going to be lax because yeah. I'm worshiping, you know, and it gives me. The, I find it's the out. exact opposite. Once you, when yeah. you get people focused on the why and like the ultimate reason that we're there, they're more invested and they're more, they care more about what they're doing and they, they do better because they just have that much more of a buy-in and a vision and inspiration for the value of what we're creating, you know? Sure. Right. I'll give you another example. So this was a couple months ago. We like many churches, I'm sure, you know, end of the message comes up, there's a little underscore, you know, and it transitions into kind of the post message, closing comments, pastoral moment, whatever. So, you know, I'm producing the service of that day and I'm like calling our keys player saying, Hey, head out, shoot him a text, say head out to the, 
keys are going to start your underscore. Call on com, nothing, no, no answer, no nothing. Sure. <laughs> Get to the time, not there. Message uh-huh. ends. You know, uh, next person comes up, does their thing, no keys, service ends, no underscore. Right? Yeah. Okay. Not what we normally do. I go, you know, go check it out later, check in. So ends up he and a couple of the guys from our worship team are just like having a time of prayer with this guy who's going through a really hard, hard season in his life. So they're all back there praying for him and just pray right through the end of the service. So I'm like, yes, of course, if you're going to skip underscore because you're praying for a guy, like I'm going to have you choose that every single time. We'll be fine without underscore. Does that mean we, we do that all the time? No, 99% of the time it works out the way we plan. But when those moments happen, I think it's it's wrong for us to to not realize that those are the more important things, right? Sure. You get down to it like those are the more important things in what we do. It's like, yeah, of course we're going to do it, you know, the way we plan most of the time. Right. But you you're always watching and sensitive and mindful of the fact that there's something else that's more valuable and more important, and that these things are all in service of, and we can't get those out of order. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the. I don't know if this is a human thing or a production person thing or what, but just the idea of it's much easier to manage a checklist. Like here that we have a black and white version of what's going to happen and how to behave and how we do our jobs. And I can hold somebody to a list of requirements or, you know, the checklist versus we have, a series of values that we mm-hmm. live by. Mm-hmm. And now when you don't show up to do underscore, there's a moment of, how to, I don't know how to have this conversation because it's not against the checklist. Right. So I would take your underscoring thing to another level. If we say, hey, you know, uh, let's do the thing that's happening, God's doing around us and engage in that. And, but somebody, you know, the, the keyboard player isn't praying for somebody, but he's just back in the green room hanging yep. out. Like, yeah. If there's no checklist or whatever, that's a harder conversation to have maybe. And so I just much rather regiment the whole thing yeah. so that I don't have to think about holding someone to the standard or the value. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. It totally makes sense. And I think I think that the the thing that we saw over you know cuz you know over the over the journey we've been on, you know, as we start to raise these different values and put more emphasis on things, certain people don't align with that. Does that make sense? Sure. They yeah. they might check the check if you made the the job that they were or the role they're filling a line on a checkbox of like uh-huh. they did this thing as part of the service you know they they delivered yeah. this product it's like they could check the box yeah but their value and their heart behind it and their the reason they're showing up was not in line with or going in the direction that our team was going sure and so yeah sometimes you have to have those conversations of if our ultimate goal is not checking the box then checking the box is not enough, right? Sure, right. And I would rather have someone that checks the box a little bit less well than, yeah. <laughs> than you are, but they're yeah. completely sold out and bought into what, what God is doing and the, what our team is is moving towards. I mean, it sounds so fascinating. So for you, did it affect, I mean, you've already said it's for some people that this new way doesn't really work for them. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of it is what you're describing. Uh, some people, they are very uncomfortable with the lack of a plan, right? Uh So, you know, to take it, it, this applies in all different sides of the stage or things that are happening in the auditorium, but like to take it to a a musical place, some people really want to know, like we're going to do the verse, the chorus, the pre-chorus, the bridge, the whatever, and we're going to do it exactly this way and I can learn my part exactly the way that you told me and if you deviate from that, then I am very uncomfortable, you know? Sure, right. And... That's not that's like inherently wrong necessarily with with that approach. Sure, but that wasn't in service of the bigger goal that we were trying to move towards as a church. Sure, and right. so we had a lot of people that because and I would say that description is more in line with what we had come from. Very planned. Right. We we have a click track, and you're going to follow the click track, and it's going to tell you exactly what to do at the right moment, and you know what to expect. And so the journey kind of away from that, lots of people were able to do that, you know, and lots of people yeah. made made that kind of transition in their thought process. Um, and some, some didn't, you know, and yeah, and that's okay. I mean, again, nothing wrong with either approach. Lots of churches do great ministry and they use click tracks that so they're like, and we use click track. I'm not saying we don't use click tracks, but like sure. it's very regimented and that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. But we just yeah. felt like for what we needed to do, it needed to kind of take a little different 
look a little different than that. Yeah. I would say uh, that I just wrote myself a note uh, and you just said it was the the thing that is, this is not for everyone. I yeah. Mean, I don't think every church should no. operate the same way. Just like you're not operating like every other church. I mean, you're figuring out what is our congregation need? What yep. is God calling us to? What does right. that look like for us? Because I, I would say, so my son uh, is a musician. He has a hard time reading music. Like mm-hmm. he just, it doesn't matter to him. And so something he's trying to learn to do, but he's more about like feel and yeah. moment and what is the framework that would make sense to go from this moment to that moment. Like he understands yep. all that, but you know, he's not so much about the regimentation of right. the written note. But then I think about, I love classical music and that's all notes. Yep. I mean, it's all written down, follow the plan, do not deviate. Yep. And beautiful moments come from that. Totally. And so I just, I think it's really interesting that, you know, either way is not for everyone and yep. both ways there's something good there. Yep, absolutely. But I think it, even with the, in the classical music example, I think it's real easy to just play the notes and not be in the moment. Yep. Just to be autopilot, I know the notes. Yep. Instead of knowing the notes and knowing them so well that you're totally in the moment. Well, I think that's the difference too. Even with classical music where you have very specific parts that people need to stick to, you still get people like a player that someone would view as like, you're a world-class player and then someone Uh that's not. And it's not because they can't play the notes. They can play the notes, but there's like some other quality to it that makes it next level, you know, and I'm yeah, not, a class, yeah. I have no idea what that is exactly, yeah. <laughs> but like there's a differentiation that goes beyond just the tangible notes on the page. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think too, like, like you, I, what you said is exactly right, where there's no right way to do it. There's no one yeah. that you, your church needs to be doing it this way. Your church needs to be doing it this way. I would say what is wrong is if you're not asking the question of why are we doing it this way? Totally. And totally. If, you, if you have that, that, that conversation, that thought process and thinking about like, for our team and what God's calling our church to do and the kind of ministry we want to create, okay, that what that goal is aligns with this process, then great. Whatever that process is to serve that goal, like that's totally fine. Sure. But if you're not having that conversation and you're just doing something because you've always done it or because you saw it at a different church or whatever, then I think you're missing an opportunity to do something. It's like that intangible. You're probably yeah. doing whatever you're doing. If you've never had that conversation, what you're doing may be playing all the right notes, Right. But, but what's that like kind of intangible, like ethos and atmosphere and and environment you can create when you're doing something because you really know that's what you're supposed to be doing and your, your team is bought in and you are a hundred percent sold out to this thing that you feel like God's calling you to do for your congregation. Yeah. I think if you, if you're listening to this and you take what you've said, Caleb, and you try to make it happen and you're, you're just creating another list to check the boxes if it's not the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And so if you're not asking why, then yeah, you're just, you're creating some new new checklist to have right. to follow. I think at the end of it all, it's, you know, life requires more observation on our part yep. than we probably have time for or that we give ourselves time for, that we're just, it's so easy to just going through the motions. But the reality is like to sit down and figure out why, why are we doing this? Why does it matter? Yep then what does it mean? What does it mean for our processes and systems and right, right. just how we function every day instead of the other, you know, the system becoming yeah. The, yeah. the goal. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a, a production person and you have a lot of stuff on your plate and you feel really overworked, this is probably a really good conversation that you want to have from a selfish perspective, because you might find out that you don't have to do a lot of things that you've been doing. Right. If, if you guys really get clear about what's the goal and what's the the direction you want to move in, sometimes that means things fall off. You know, you don't, you yeah. shouldn't be spending time on them anymore. So, oh, that's so good. I think there were so many things I did in my early years that I just thought, well, these are important. I'm going to do them, and I was carrying responsibility that was not mine to mm-hmm. carry. Mm-hmm. So to be able to say to the senior pastor, looking at this service coming up. I feel like this would be my list of things that need to get done. And I think I'll work 80 hours this week. Yeah. And the pastor could look at the list and say, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. This doesn't matter. No, we're not. And then, oh, now I'm back to a normal uh, work week. That's like a super simplistic example because I think there are some things on the list the senior pastor doesn't know are important that still need to get done. But I think, you know, yeah, just the, the weight of perfection, I feel it more than maybe most people and so I'm going to add things to my to-do list that maybe mm-hmm. don't need to 
they aren't that important. Right. Or they're not time sensitive. You know, it's like, right. I can give a little bit to this project over a longer period of time. And that's a, that's a better, more healthy use of my time than feeling like I have to get it all done this week. You know? Right. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Hey, thanks for making time. Yeah, man. It's always fun to chat. It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We've been talking for maybe a year or so like, oh, we need to like do this podcast thing again. And it's always uh, good to hang out with you even if it's just virtually. Hey, we had a hard time working out our schedule, so this coronavirus thing really like <laughs> made it work for us, I think. Right, I think the last time we were supposed to do this, you were sick. Like, it was right at the beginning yes, of the coronavirus. Not, yeah, not I think I have a cold, but, but I might be okay to come. Yeah, like, don't show up. No, let's not do this in person. Yeah, right, so. right. Anyway. Crazy. Anyway, good to be with you. Yep, always fun. Caleb's journey from TD to associate pastor has been so interesting for me to watch over the years, and I really love hanging out with him, even if it was just over Skype. Uh, He really challenged my thinking about how to rehearse. Are we preparing our teams to follow a script exactly, or are they equipped to follow where the Spirit of God is leading? In many ways, it goes counter to everything I've been practicing all these years. And at the end of the day, though, it's about being present in the moment, not just stuck in the cue sheet or executing things perfectly, which I'm a huge fan of. The looking up from the cue sheet and seeing what God's doing is so important. He also talked about how giving your team the reason why in all situations really helps each person engage in a deeper way. You're not just asking them to mindlessly press buttons because that's what you are programmed to do, but you're following what is happening and then responding to it. So great. Some pretty deep thoughts there. All right. It's not too late to sign up for our Philo events coming up. We got Philo 2020 in Anaheim on November 3rd and 4th. We're going to be at Cross Point Church again. Looking forward to hanging out with Kevin and his crew there. And for Philo 2021 Chicago, we'll be in May. We're still working on the precise dates. We're planning on it being at Willow Creek. We're just trying to nail down the exact dates. You can subscribe to get emails from us. And that's where we'll be announcing all those things, as well as on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at Philo Community and we're at Philo Conference on Twitter. You know what? You can also order my book. You know, I don't like plugging myself or whatever, but I really do believe it can be a helpful resource for you and your teams to become not only better technical artists, but more importantly, better humans. So you can go to our website, philo.org slash book check it out on Amazon. You can just type in, I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas, and it will take you to the book and you can order it there. Anyway, you can always see what's happening with Philo by going to our website, philo.org. And if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, send us an email at philopodcast at philo.org. All right, until next time, 